Welcome to Party Crashers. We're your hosts, Lori Jane and Nikkei Lewis. Today we're chatting with Amy Anais, a New York City-based intimate editorial, wedding, and portrait photographer. She's keen on creating beautiful, joyous, and heartfelt imagery that always tells a story. And she's also my homie. <laughs> my new york friend amy hey, how you doing girl i'm doing good i'm doing good thanks for having hey. me thanks for coming of course on. so excited to chat with you Likewise. and pick your brain a little bit <laughs> um so i mean today's topic we really wanted to talk about starting out having um like the newbies come in and, and really see like what do you have to do to get your business up and running and capture those beautiful images to have your followers and hopefully potential clients see, you know, what you have to offer. And I feel like you are the best person to talk to about this because, you know, you definitely have been down with a lot of people from the get go. But let's just start with a little bit of your background. So people know who you are, um, how you got into photography, um, like, you know, a little bit about your journey. Totally, totally. Um, well, thanks for having me. So excited to chat with you guys. Um, well, let's see, how did I start? Well, I literally have been photographing since I was a little girl. So it was one of those things that it kind of was always in my life, but I just never knew that I could have such a thriving career, um, you know, doing photography. So like my parents, you know, I'm Caribbean, I'm from um, Dominican descent. So they are really keen on, you know, having like a professional professional, or at least they were back then, um, you know, they're doctors. So when I told them that I wanted mm -hmm. to be a photographer, you know, in high school, they were like, ah, okay, cool. Um, no, for real, what are you going to do? <laughs> um, so when I went to college, I kind of went, you know, not really knowing what I wanted to do because I did have kind of just like this artistic pool. Um, but because, you know, again, not coming from an artistic household, um, I felt like I had to do something, you know, like on a more like quote unquote professional route. So I took up um, the degree of doing like advertising and public relations. I was always really into fashion and kind of just like the back end stuff of like how magazines work and ads and stuff like that. So I um, did the route of ad PR and that was cool and all. Um, but while I was getting that degree, I was literally always photographing. So I was the photographer for the fashion club. I was the photographer for the African-American student union, like any club that I was in, I was literally like the um, photographer for. So it wasn't until my junior year, um, in college, I went to the University of Central Florida that I was just like, you know, what are you doing? Like, you want to be a photographer, you know, you should really kind of look into that a little bit more. And that's when digital um, was becoming a little bit more popular and affordable. Um, so I looked into it and there was actually a school about an hour away that did have like a formal degree for photography. So I really wanted to do that, but I was kind of stuck in the middle as far as like, I already had three years into this degree, you know, um, so I wanted to finish that off before, um, you know, jumping into, you know, a second degree. So I finished, got my degree in ad PR, and then I went back and I call it my master's, even though it's an, only um, an associate's degree. Um, but I got formally trained um, in photography. And I'm kind of thankful that I did my journey that way. Because again, like I mentioned, like I was photographing since I was literally like 12. Um, 
actually before that. Um, so I already knew how to like work a camera and do the basic stuff. But when you actually have to take classes on it, like they literally take you back to the bare bones, the beginning, black and white processing. So it really helped me kind of just refine my eye, refine my skills and, you know, be able to just polish my work. Um, Yeah, so I did that. And then once I graduated, it was one of those things that like, it was time to adult. Um, and <laughs> what does that even mean, right? Um, to me, it meant like, okay, I had to figure out where I was going to live because I was going, you know, I went to the University of Central Florida. So I was living in Orlando, Florida, my family or I was originally from Miami, Florida. So it was like, do I go back home to Miami? Or like, what do you want to do? So I knew that I didn't want to go back down to Miami. Um, so I was trying to figure out where I wanted to live. And I knew that or Orlando was a little bit too small for what my ambitions were. So it was honestly between LA and New York um, and New York went over mainly because like I had been, I was actually born in New York. So I still had family there and I was um, used to going up there quite often. So with a hope and a dream, I packed my bags. I had maybe $2,000 in the bank account and um, I moved up to New York and that was back in 2008 um, when of course the economy crashed and we were right. in this economic down <laughs> down it went but it's funny because even though all of that was going on I was quite naive to it um I think you know because I was in Orlando like I was just getting out of college like you didn't really feel the pressures of you know having to really find a job and all of that like I was just getting into it um so when I moved to New York and because I was a freelancer it was kind of one of those things that you just took jobs as they came so even though mm -hmm. it was like a weird time for the economy for myself like I didn't feel it that bad because I wasn't like submerged in that, if that makes sense. Um, but mm -hmm. I do remember like it was tough trying to land, you know, a job, you know, I, this was back when like Craigslist was really popular and stuff like that. So I remember going on a bunch of interviews and because I was just so hungry to, um, to be in New York and become, you know, like I wanted to be a fashion photographer. So like, I was just so hungry for it that I landed a few internships and, you know, I just basically got in where I could. And again, um, I had my degree in ad PR, so I used that to my benefit and, um, I got internships in talent agencies and the agencies actually represented hair, makeup, styling, photographers. Um, Perfect. So I was kind of using that degree, but it still was like photography related in some sort, even though I wasn't like photographing for them. Um, yeah. And I got internships with that. I eventually landed a job at my first agency and I was there for about three to four years. And that was like amazing because it was a woman owned business. Um, and I was one of her only, like it was only two employees at the time. So I really got hands-on experience on how to run a business, how things run in New York, um, as well as just like the commercial world of New York, you know, the fashion world, the beauty world. Um, and while I was doing that and, you know, being an agent, I was still building my own business on the side, you know. So again, like I wanted to be a photographer, you know, I'm a photographer at heart. So I started um, shooting portraits where I could, doing fashion shoots. Um, and then that's kind of how I slowly got into weddings. Um, a friend of mine was getting married and she knew I was a photographer. So she was just like, hey, do you want to shoot my wedding? And I was like, okay, cool. Um, so I did it. And then I realized one, that I really liked it. And two, like I could make really good money, you know, shooting a wedding. What was it about 
weddings that you it liked? It was something about like I'm very big on connection and you know the intimate kind Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. 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 Yeah
Yeah, and or it's kind Italy. of one of those things. <laughs> Don't talk about Italy. <laughs> <laughs> not right now. Not yet. Sorry. Um, okay. Which I think that it's okay to do that if that's authentic to your relationship. You know what I'm saying? If that's the kind of couple that you mm-hmm. guys have always been, you guys are travel birds and stuff like that. But if you're doing it just to, you know, again, stunt for the gram, I feel like you see that that disconnect that's there um and you know when it becomes more about the fashion and the hair and the makeup and stuff like that which again these things are beautiful yes but it's it's not an editorial shoot you know i'm saying like there's a difference between an engagement shoot and an editorial shoot an engagement shoot is about you and your significant other and that's what the shoot should portray throughout not just you know showing you know the fashions and the beauty and stuff like that so yeah, it's it's hard. It's really hard because you're lured into Instagram and like just the imagery that everybody else is putting out there to be like, you know, you want to be me. And that's kind of what people have been pushing, even for business owners, where it's like you don't even have to be doing your job well. You just have to pretend or show everybody an image that looks like you're doing your job well and you could get clients from that, you know, and there's, there's a lot of phoniness that goes on. But people are drawn into it. So it's like, I don't even have to have, like you're saying, like, there's no connection, but they're in Turkey taking a picture, you know, (laughs) talking about, like, look at us. And it's like, what's more important here? You know, like your, your, your passport stamps or your actual relationship? Yeah. Instagram needs a lie detector. Yeah, it really does. Like, (laughs) I've, I've learned to filter through all that, you know, and I try, I try to kind of steer my messaging a different way and like even now you know like with everything going on with the pandemic and you know having to be um at home all the time like I was literally just talking to my boyfriend about it last night as far as like it's hard you know as a creative you know obviously like I'm not shooting that much anymore right now because we can't you know to create you know new content and stuff like that but I keep telling him I was like I don't want to be inauthentic you know, to myself and fall into the, you know, like now everybody's on Instagram live. Everybody's trying to sell something. Everybody's doing this. Like, it's kind of like you're following the same cookie cutter recipe that everyone's doing that everybody's trying to see if it works, you know what I'm saying? But is that authentic to your brand? And I've been very careful as far as not just jumping into something, you know, because that's what everybody else is doing. And then my audience get confused as far as like, you know, where did this come from? So I don't know. It's a, it's a fine line as far as trying to figure out, you know, and trying to just stay authentic to who, you know, your brand is. Yeah. And you mentioned, you mentioned being um, like the whole birds of a feather thing. And I feel like um, that also goes for the, the vendors that you work with. Because, you know, at least with us, I know I've sent a lot of people your way or like, you know, vice versa. People will come to you and be like, oh, I need a a planner. or I need somebody to come in and, you know, to help me with my wedding. And I feel like if you are close to the people that are in the industry as well, like you can kind of gauge what kind of clients work with them and also, you know, share clients in that way to know like, okay, this client, if they, if they're good with Nikkei, if, you know, their personalities mesh, cool. I think it'll be cool with, you know, with me too. So I found a lot of success in the, in the brides that have been referred to me by people I knew 
like my frienders, like you guys say. And there's a trust that, um, that comes into play. Like, I know that if you refer a bride to me, like you've already vetted them, you know what I'm saying? Like you already know that their budgets are within, you know, what my price, you know what I'm saying? That they aren't going to like haggle me for certain things or that our aesthetics, you know, match together. So there's a certain comfort as far as like that vetting has already been been done like anytime I get like an inquiry or somebody like reaching out to me like and on like my um, inquiry form like I say like you know or I ask specific questions and you know I ask about budgets and stuff like that so like even if a bride or groom or you know couple reaches out and their budget is not within my rates I don't treat them any differently than for somebody who you know budget exceeds my rates yeah definitely I mean well it's funny that you mentioned that you know it's the New Yorker in you because um most people have this thing about New Yorkers I feel like we don't want to help people or you know we're like just like get out of our way do what you have to do like you know work 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 and I mean some of that is true but we also, you know, like as long as you're about your business and like, you know, you give good energy, we give good energy right back. And that kind of goes into, I was thinking back on how we all, you know, were working together, kind of coming up when we were all, you know, in a group together, basically. Um, and just like you were so down to help everybody get their their content you know because <laughs> nobody had money nobody had clients it was like all right we're starting out like how do we start this thing like how do we make it look you know super luxurious and professional and now looking back like do you feel like it was something that was helpful for you helpful for you know the planners and designers that you were working for or working with or do you feel like you know we shouldn't really do the freebies when we're oh absolutely just started. i would say that even though like when we had like established like our click back then like i was already working you know what i'm saying but again i hadn't really broken fully into you know the wedding market at least here in new york because again i'm from florida so i was still mm-hmm. trying to find my footing here trying to make connections here and the thing is is that like what i learned early on is that people don't hire you unless they know you, unless they trust you, unless you're vetted by somebody else. So making those connections and, you know, creating those bonds and solidifying those bonds to me, that's like invaluable. So because I think we were in a special pocket because we were all kind of trying to um, really break into, um, you know, I would say like the luxury market, we we're lucky to have each other as far as, you know, we were a group that um, we were all kind of in the same level playing field. Um, So we were all helping each other. So I think that that was invaluable and definitely catapulted, you know, me to where I am now. And, you know, I'm still friends with all you ladies and we still help each other still when we can, you know, even though we're all in like different places in our lives. But I would say doing Mm -hmm. those um, like freebies, as you said, you know, ended up paying itself in the long run. You know, I did something for free then. But then, you know, say when you booked a bride, you referred her to me. So that already paid for, you know, that freebie that I had done for you. So it's kind of like we all helped each other out and we all kind of created that bond and that trust together. So like I already knew that like. You know, if you were telling me, um, hey, Amy, I need um, X, Y, Z, one, you know, 
I guess I'm lucky because I'm the photographer. So like, if I do something for you, you know, because it's like images and stuff like that, like it's like free promotion for me, you know what I'm saying? So when you post the images, yeah, that's true. you use them mm -hmm. for something, you know, at the end of the day, you know, promotion still comes back to me. So I was lucky on, um, on that end. And it's kind of like silent promotion because most of the time you're not like out pubbing, like, Oh, this was the photographer. You know, the client usually asks like, Oh, that was a beautiful image, you know, who shot that. And then you can kind of um, mm -hmm. direct them that way afterwards. Let's just go back into your, your mental Rolodex. What was the craziest production moment that you've ever had? Like something that happened while you were on site that was just like, um, this can't be real. Well, I would say <laughs> not too long ago, um, it was a destination wedding that I had. And the couple hired me, you know, like I'm already established and stuff like that. So the couple hired me, you know, I'd never met them before. Um, they hired me specifically, you know, for my editorial style. Like she had sent me, you know, a Pinterest board. This is what they're looking for. They were having their wedding um, at this beautiful castle. And it was just like all about the venue, all about the fashions, you know, um, so I went in there and of course it already being um, a destination wedding that already kind of gives a certain level of pressure, you know, because it's not like when I shoot in New York, I feel comfortable. You know what I'm saying? Like I've shot at most of these venues before. I know what to do. Like I know what yeah. to expect, but when you're shooting destination, you're at the mercy of whatever is going on, whoever is there um, kind of thing. So um, we arrived and it was raining the whole time. Um, so the day I arrived, it was oh, like man. literally monsooning. Um, I met with the couple for the first time and they were just completely like stressed out and just so defeated, you know, because the weather wasn't, um, cooperating the way that they anticipated, you know, for this huge, you know, destination weekend for their friends and family. Um, and then the day of the wedding is same thing. It was torrential rain, um, all day and, the couple was literally devastated. Like when I saw the pictures from my second shooter, I didn't see what, of course, what the groom was doing. Cause I was focusing on the bride, but she got photos of him, like actually like sobbing, you know, because he was so devastated for his bride, you know, cause she, he knew how much, you know, she wanted to do things outdoors and stuff like that. Anywho, long story short, um, I knew what was important to the couple as far as why they had picked this destination and I knew that I wasn't going to be able to get what they envisioned in their head at first because we couldn't go you know in front of the venue they weren't going to have the outdoor ceremony that they had anticipated and all of that so I had to literally go to plan like Z um to figure out how can I still <laughs> get the essence and the aura and just the feel that they wanted all indoors? Um, and literally, you know, I scouted out the spots and it was just like, it literally was changing like moment by moment because it would be like drizzling, then it would be pouring, then wow. it would stop. Like, you know how the Caribbean is. Like, you never know what to anticipate with the weather. Yeah. Um, so I found this one yep. balcony off the bridal suite. And I was just like, I kept looking at it. And, like, you could see the mountains in the background and all of that. And I literally did all the portraits there on that balcony. And the couple trusted me 100%. Wow. And, uh, you know, when I arrived, you know, like, I held the bride's hand. And I was just like, hey. I was like, do you trust me? And she was just like, yeah. She was like, you know, we'll do whatever you say. And they were so gracious and so open to all my suggestions that when you see the pictures, 
now you would never tell that it was literally like a monsoon outside that like they still ended up having their reception under a tent outside and like the floor was so um saturated with water that it was literally like a mud pit and like all of us were like our we literally left our sneakers like there because like it was just like a muddy mess and like but when you're looking at the pictures you would never tell that you know all this chaos was going on um in the background you know and when they received their pictures they were literally like in tears and they were just like we cannot believe that you captured the day this way that you would never tell mm -hmm. most of yeah. these moments are teachable moments though like most of the crazy production stories Absolutely. we ask people it's like what did you learn from it <laughs> i can't tell you how many times i've had events where it's rained or i was doing an event for Lollapalooza and you know, Chicago is so windy and we had an outdoor, beautiful um, lunch set up and like literally the tables flew over and it started to rain. And like just as an event producer, you have to like go into autopilot and use your skills and say, <laughs> what, am, what is the plan Z? What is A, B, C, D, E, F, G, whatever we need to get to. And sometimes the pressure is crazy. Like I remember one time in Miami, I was like, nope, this is, this is it. I'm done. Fly me back home. This is it. The vendors didn't show up. All of my brand ambassadors were late. Like, I'm like, how am I supposed to get this done? <laughs> but you do what you have to do. And sometimes the pressure is hard. But afterwards is when you have to really, like, just take a breath <laughs> in and out. Absolutely. <laughs> Some of us. The, the client, of course, wants to see the end product be beautiful. But the client is also looking at how you handle the situation. Like, if you're one of those people that, like, fly off the wall, you know, and just really make it feel chaotic, you know, the client is going to remember that energy versus if you're calm and, you know, you let them know the, the realistic expectations of what's going on, you know, in a calm way and just let them know that, Hey, I got your back, but you know, these, this is the situation and the, this is the plan, you know, this is the solutions that I've come up with, you exactly. know, whether it's two solutions, one solution, whatever it is, you know, that is what the client remembers. I think the, the calm comes from experience though. Calm oh. doesn't happen when you're a newbie <laughs> and you're just like, you don't know what, how to do C, D, E to Z. You know, so it's That's like when you true. actually know what you're what to expect, and you're like, all right, this table blew over, bomb. Let yeah. me, uh, <laughs> let me go, <laughs> like let me figure it out. Yeah, and I'm just like, excuse my French, but I'm just like, fuck, like, just like, I'm really, and I feel like the only people who really know that, like, um, that I'm struggling with something or that I'm in, um, in a bind are like my assistants who have been with me, you know, for a few years now. So they, they know my temperament. Right. They know mm -hmm. they that know like, you. if I start acting a certain way or doing something a certain way, they kind of know like, okay, this is, you know, Amy's stressed about this, which the client doesn't, you know, cause I'm always like mm -hmm. cool and collective and like, it's like, it, it's funny. Cause it's kind of like, I have mm -hmm. like a cool and collective demeanor but there's like levels to that i just said that the <laughs> other day like i have two nikkeis like i have my i'm chill cool everything's great and then i'm like event nikkei i'm like two different people it's like whichever mode and is needed Absolutely. at the time like, so, yeah, it is what it is so i feel like that's where experience too has taught me like you know having my team has been absolutely invaluable like there's times that like I've been hired for a shoot and I, the, the client didn't um, pay for having a second shooter or pay for having a certain thing. And I, I bring that person with me, even if it's out of pocket, um, because 
to me, the service provided is what's the most important. And if it means that, you know, I have to pay a little bit more on my end in order to provide an excellent service, I'm willing to do that. Because I know at the end of the at the end of the day, exactly. like it'll come it. back to me. And then I know that, okay, I need to raise my rates on this or I need to charge a little bit more on that, especially when it's like new experiences that I haven't done before. Um, I know like, okay, you know, I lost a little bit on this one, but next time, you know, I'm going to charge double, you know, because I know the the type of work or, you know, what's needed to execute what the client needs. So, so having a team to me now is like, yeah, literally like I can't, I can't shoot. Like I, it's it's funny because I just shot a wedding in Ethiopia this past um, I know um, this past holiday, oh, wow. and it was a friend of mine. You know, we've been friends for years, and she was always like, you know, when I get married, you know, um, I want you to shoot my wedding. But you know, it was she decided to get married in Ethiopia, and Ethi- getting to Ethiopia is super expensive. Um, so it wasn't in her budget to be able to fly, you know, a second shooter um, out there for me. So I was like, okay, you know, I got this. I, I can do it. And it was just like, literally, like, I've ne- I haven't shot a wedding on my own in probably eight years. And oh, my God, it was literally, Are you serious? <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it, that, that's I promise crazy. you, like, I literally felt like a chicken with my head cut off, like, because it was just like, there was so much going on. And because I'm used to a certain standard as far as shooting wise and getting certain things and stuff like that luckily this client was so flexible and so gracious and everything was all in one space so it made it Mm -hmm. you know manageable but man like I like I texted the girls too much I was like oh my god I miss you guys so much you know because like yeah like (laughs) yeah can you come with me next time please (laughs) like value my team like the it's just invaluable what they do like even if it's just carrying a bag you know not having to worry about that bag you know i'm saying is just like a weight off your back so to any newbie out there like build your team like even if it's like indoor like interns or yeah for sure family member like if you can't pay somebody like do them a favor in some other type of way, but build your team because your team is literally what, you know, creates like the backbone for you and makes you stronger. Yeah. What kind of tips can you give to people that want to take their own photos? And is there a difference between shooting details versus people? Your best camera that you have with you is your phone camera. Like the quality again is of course not going to be the quality of using, you know, like a professional grade camera, but it's good enough for, you know, for social media. And Amy, right. Amy is the queen <laughs> of detail shots too. So that, that is she, okay. so, work that so amazing. So if she's telling you how to do this, you guys need to really listen in and listen to what she's saying because no, she and, will get you guys tell, to the like, finish line with this. And stuff like that. Like I always tell, especially new planners that I'm working with, that if you want to get the detail shots that you've seen me post, like you can't just give me five minutes and expect that I'm going to create, you know, this amazing, you know, gallery of images in five minutes. Like, it doesn't work that way. Okay. Do you often, like, move things around? Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah, she moves your whole, your whole setup around. She will move your whole I'm setup like, around. in it, in it. Oh, okay, you're in it. So you're t- in it. Hey. Okay. Shoe I on always, the table. Um, Love I it. always ask, you know, for me specifically, like, especially if I'm shooting, like, a reception room, and it's a very detailed reception room, I need at least, like, 30 minutes in that room alone. 
in order for me to get like iconic iconic shots okay. where there's not people walking around in the backgrounds and stuff like that and people might think like oh my god 30 minutes like it's because it goes one it goes by very very quickly so fast. Also, no, no. i'm working with different yeah. elements in the room you know there's the up lighting the pin lighting there's you know things that i you know how in the case said like i have to move certain things in order for it to look right in the shot it's not just taking a picture of the table you know in order for it to look you know and have um, depth to it and for it to be lit properly i might have to set up three or four lights in the room you know in order to get it looking appropriate um so the more time you can give me the better like the better images you're gonna get so i usually ask now the planners to let me know like mm -hmm. hey what were those special special things that or those um personalized items so that i can make sure you know to capture those and to capture those within the element of where they want it to and especially to you know for planners who want to get you know publish and most you know um magazines now for editorial shoots and stuff like that they're looking for these unique kind of uh, mementos so i do ask for the planner to let me know like what are those things because you can't like you can't expect the photographer to read your mind and know yeah and know what you planned yeah all of these months. <laughs> would you recommend having um as a planner having a side conversation with you and your team to maybe hire somebody Absolutely. from your team That's to do specific things for content one of the best things you can do is have that conversation with the photographer ahead of time, especially if it's one of these huge luxury weddings where you know that this is something that you do want to get featured or that you want particular content for. Um, you need to almost have your dedicated photographer just for those things, especially if it's very um, detail heavy. The best way to do it is to talk to the contracted photographer first and see if that's something that they can provide. Um, but if it's a photographer that one, you're not very sure on the quality as far as what you're going to get, you know, maybe they're not a detail photographer, maybe that's not something that they specialize in. So you're not very sure as far as if you're going to get the images that you want. Talk to them about perhaps bringing on a second person, you know, maybe not through their company, but you know, that you're bringing in, like I've done this for a few planners, um, but make sure that you have that conversation with the primary photographer first, because you don't want to step on anybody's toes. Um, Cause it can be very intruding as far as like, there's times that I've shown up to a reception space. I'm with the client and then there's like a whole different photographer there. And I was not alert. Mm -hmm. I was not alerted on it. And it's yeah, kind of like, I've had I that type of thing. That photographer is only doing details or whatever, but now you're in my shot. Now you're, I'm having to wait for you to finish things, you know, because I'm trying to be gracious and, you know, work together. But now it's interfering with um, my time with the client or what I was contracted for. So I would say if you're going to do something like that, then a good way to do it is say, you know, if the main photographer is supposed to be in the reception, say at five o'clock, that's their contracted time to be in the reception room to get those details, then make sure that the room's ready way ahead of time, say at four o'clock. Right. So that okay. between four and five o'clock, your own photographer is there photographing and that by the time the primary photographer gets in there, like you're no longer there. It's so hard, though, trying to get um, like a room ready in time because there's always so many things that happen when like that throws you off schedule that it's like, shoot, now we only have 30 minutes. The bride is outside. It waited oh, like there's all these so things wait. happening. You need to get the detail shots. So, yeah, it's so hard sometimes. Moving into the content piece, 
as producers, as planners, we still need to keep up with our forward-facing Instagram. What kind of things do you think that we should be posting online now that there's no events? My friend just recently did like a FaceTime photo shoot. Are there things like that you could suggest? So I definitely think that you should still be um, producing content. So like when everything first started, one, I was already like not that great on Instagram as far as keeping up consistently and posting all the time. But I did notice that when I was posting consistently, I did always have a good um, engagement and it translated into inquiries as far as like who would contact me and stuff like that as far as inquiring for work. So I made it a point to um, make sure that I posted every single day, especially now since I'm not working that often. Um, to make sure to post it every day. And I've seen a return on that because I've seen okay. that like within, so I've been on quarantine since March 10th ish, I think was when I started or when they told us we had to stay in. Um, so since March 10th till now, I have booked probably six or seven weddings, new weddings since we've been in lockdown, which one wow. is, you know, um, amazing to me because I'm just like, wow, like people yeah. are still booking. But I know that it translates to the fact that, mm -hmm. you know, I've still been posting. I've still kept a very positive um, voice online. So I think that as a content producer, as far as of an event planner, whoever is creating content, I think that you need to remember that what we're going through right now is temporary and that clients still want to look at us um, for that affirmation and for um, that trust that things will still continue moving forward. So I think for you guys, like, continue posting either revamping old things that you've already done or that you've already shown like as far as like for us like it's easy because we we do weddings and stuff like that so when a photographer sends you the gallery you know there's at least 500 images in there right so you can kind of create themes and kind of create um content in that way as far as let's talk this time about wedding bouquets let's talk this time about chargers let's talk this time you know about what kind of cutlery you should use and there's just different things that like you can repurpose you know the work that you already have because that's a good point, everybody yeah. like mm -hmm. and that I struggle with this too like oh I've already posted that wedding they've seen that bride you know what I'm saying or you know what about a follower that really loved that wedding you know and they want to actually see more from you know that wedding or what you did there so I think that we just kind of have to get out of our heads and just post the work you know what I'm saying and I know that like everybody's you know thirsty for likes and if you if this picture doesn't get enough engagement from that picture like you have to look at it more so like as a collective so like when I'm looking at my work like one picture might get you know 300 likes one might get 1500 you know what I'm saying like it kind of just depends mm -hmm. on what people are feeling that day but when you're looking at it from a full body of work as far as when somebody's like scrolling fully through your feed you, it'll show the consistency and it'll show it'll kind of start creating that trust with you and a client before they even realize that they're trusting you if that makes sense um that totally makes sense yeah and also mm -hmm. and also sense. too like you yeah. know you can um um, I'm, I'm, I'm a very private person as far as you'll never see me post way too much about my personal life and all of that, just because I like to keep, you know, business and private, you know, business and personal, you know, a little bit separated from my own sanity. Um, 
but whatever you're comfortable with as far as showing you know your personal life a little bit I know that um the world really likes that because everybody's super nosy and you want to know what's going on, you know, in somebody's life, <laughs> but keep it consistent to, again, to your branding and like the voice that you have, you know, cause the worst is when you start kind of going off, you know, off on a different tangent and everyone's like, huh, like, where did that come from? You know, like if I'm following, yeah, really? um, a beauty blogger, you know, and then now all of a sudden, you know, she starts talking about dogs. Like, I'm just like, huh? Like, this is not why I was following you for. So I think you kind of have to just remember that people are following you for a very specific reason, other than like your friends. Of course, your friends are going to support you regardless. But like the social world is very fickle. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't say the wrong thing or exclude somebody. So it's just kind of just keep your voice. Um, consistent throughout with anything that you post I did kind of want to mention as far as like you know when you're connecting with um, somebody that you want to work with that you really admire I think that the approach that you take as far as to connect with them you know that initial approach definitely leaves like a lasting impression and I think it goes from both ways from a photographer wanting to work with an event planner an event planner wanting to work with a photographer you know just reach out like in a very human manner and not from a um what can you give me um perspective but uh you know how can we just connect you know what i'm saying yeah Yeah, because everybody's always expecting like oh what is it that they want from me this time you know like i get so many people in my inboxes that will just be like hey i have this shoot you know can you photograph it and i'm like do i know you (laughs) um yeah (laughs) how do you decide which ones to do I try to be an equal opportunity person. So um, if somebody reaches out to me that they want to do a collaborative shoot, the first thing I ask for them to send me is a mood board to see like where, where, where do you stand? Um, And from there, like once I'm waiting for them to send me the mood board, I'm actually researching that person. So I check out, you know, their social, their web presence and all of that to see like if they're, um, if their brand fits my brand, because I honestly, you know, like uh, how I said before, like birds of a feather flock together. Like I, I don't want to associate myself with, you know, somebody who doesn't share, you know, my same aesthetic or my same, you know, morals or standards and all of that, because then it just it makes my brand voice look weird, you know, like if it's not um, kind of like my normal standard. And I know that sounds bad. No, you're protecting your brand. Yeah. No, it doesn't. No, you don't. I feel that like our brands can align together, you know, and you send me your mood board. And here's how I establish as far as like, is it going to be something collaborative or is it going to be something that um, you pay for the service? Is if you send me something and it's completely unique, I've never seen something, I've never photographed something like this, then of course it's something that I want to collaborate with. But if you send me a mood board and it's the same decor that has been done you know three seasons ago then it's not really something that's going to help my portfolio or elevate my portfolio as much as bad as it sounds but like that's just the reality of it because it's already in my portfolio if that makes sense um or if the pictures that you're sending me are already like my own pictures um that doesn't you know that's not (laughs) giving me an extra Because, again, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I think it's Mm -hmm. amazing if you're wanting to create content like that is 100 percent amazing. But you 
have to remember as far as like we're all um like again how i said we all got to eat you know what i'm saying so if i am investing because it's not just photographing your shoot for five to six hours then it's all the editing that goes into it and all of that and if i have to travel to your shoot um so those are all things that i have to take mm -hmm. into you know consideration so i do shoot a lot of um you know, styled shoots for planners, you know, and they hire me for it because I'm a little bit past as far as just doing a shoot to do a shoot. When you finish shooting and it's time where the client wants to submit the wedding or event or whatever to a publication, who do you suggest handles that? Do you suggest that the photographer do uh, it, the client do I it, or the planner do it? three-part collaboration or like a multi-part collaboration. I think at the end of the day, the photographer should be the one to submit at least the image portion or what images they feel are great for the shoot. One, most of the time, because we do have submission experience as far as knowing, at least myself, like what magazines are looking for. So I kind of know what images to pick and choose from. So I think, again, it needs to be a collaboration because obviously the planner is going to want decor shots. The client is going to want more. So people shot, especially if it's, um, if it's a wedding and all of that. I think it should be um, a collaborative venture. I don't think that as a event planner, you should just submit and then later on tell the photographer, like, oh, we submitted. Um, just because sometimes as the photographer, like I might have a different vision as far as what publication this should go to. Um, and if you've already submitted it somewhere else and they accepted it, then, then we can no longer use it for something else because most sub most publications want exclusivity so it should definitely be an open open dialogue about it yeah what is a key party favor that you would give to a small business owner in the event space i guess keep your voice consistent um it's really again i, I can't stress it enough how it's very subliminal on how that affects how a consumer um, interacts with you. So similar to like how you might see, say a designer bag, you know, I'm saying like, there's certain things that that brand or that, um, you know, um, that business has attracted you to that you're willing to spend X amount of dollars for it, you know, because they've created already this vision, this, um, you know, a brand, um, for you. So I feel like that consistency that you, um, that you create is really what is going to level you up and kind of set you apart from somebody else that, you know, something that we didn't talk about, but was kind of mentioned in the beginning, as far as like, at least for myself, there's so many photographers that are out there, right? Everyone has a camera, but what is it about myself that separates me from that pact? And why is a client willing to spend X amount of dollars to work with me specifically? So I think for an event planner, it's the same thing. Like, what is it that sets you apart specifically that somebody is going to come for you for that and be willing to spend X amount for that? And I think that at the end of the day, that all comes down to consistency. Thank you. <laughs> so great. You're welcome. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you, Amy. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for allowing us to crash your party. That's it for this episode. For any of your event production needs, you can always reach out to us on Instagram at the Party Crashes Podcast. Until next time, keep creating.